Y'all, welcome back to Kentucky Fried Wargaming, where two guys who aren't qualified to talk about anything decide to talk about a game with hard math and chance. I'm Joe. And I'm John. And on this episode of the podcast, we're coming to you with a topic that is uh, it's a little fresh in John's mind. You could say it's been kicking around up there lately. Um, maybe... It's a specter haunting <laughs> me this Halloween. <laughs> it never leaves. You can't bust this ghost. Nothing you could do about it. Um, see, John has been struck with a, a terrible case of inspiration. Uh, John, what rabbit hole have you fallen down this time? Uh, it's the guard, son. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Imperial Guard, or? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, and all their different regiments um, have been falling down that hole for like close to a decade now. Uh, actually, over a decade. Um, but I haven't collected the models, right? Mm -hmm. Like I've always told myself like, oh, you don't have the space. Oh, it's so much money. Oh, it's so much painting. Oh, you can't do it. Uh, everyone's going to think you're a nerd because you like military history. Not that kind of military history. The other kind. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and like, I'm getting older and I just don't care. Like I just, I, I'm just like, I have a house now. I've got like Joe had some some printed guard that I could just you know, nab up and kind of do a starter thing with and see how I liked it. Yeah, it it got me. I played my first game of guard uh, last night and the first time in like years, like six or seven years. Oh, man. Well, I guess. And with that in mind, we're moving straight into hobby time and games played. <laughs> All right, John. All right. The music is played. That means you're allowed to talk about your game. Oh, yeah? Those are the rules. Yeah. I don't make them. Okay. Those are the rules. Okay. I'm glad that you're the troll at the bridge who gets to decide when I get to cross Look, I don't. Not. <laughs> the music does. All right? No music, you're no You're bound talking. by the laws of music. Yes. I don't make these rules. Uh, <laughs> I'm really good at segueing so hard, I forgot we had transitions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We're professional podcasters. <laughs> I'm just jazzed. I'm jazzed to talk about this. <clears throat> All right, uh, John. Tell me about this game you played. I'm assuming you watched Saving Private Ryan and Hacksaw Ridge and injected them straight into your veins. And then after you watched Fury to come down from the high, you stepped onto the game table? No, actually, I, I listened to like two separate podcasts over the week about the March on Rome and how Mussolini's a bastard. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, fully agreed. <laughs> um... No, I watched the the Devil's Brigade uh, to get ready for every guard game ever. It's great. Um, it's a classic movie. No, no, what is appealing for me is the and guard is it's everything that in a non-World Eaters faction in 40k, right? For World Eaters, I just get aggressive. I'm just like, gotta go forward to hit dudes with these big wedge, wedge sticks. Mm -hmm. just whack. Whacking people with pizza boxes. World leaders, let's go. That is the angry, strategy. Angry, angry boys. That is the yeah. only strategy. <laughs> um, you can't do anything else. Just run forward, whack people sticks, consolidate and pile into other people, whack them with sticks. Give them so many dudes to hit them with that they can't swing back at you. 
with guard. It's much more tactical. It's much more like moving around and picking where you're deploying in relation to your dudes and kind of pushing and pulling all these pieces to do what you want them to do two turns from now or this turn, right? Mm -hmm. It's a lot slower objective-based play, which is something I'm not used to doing a lot of. Uh, Normally it's, hey, I'm going to run at you, punch you in the face repetitively. Uh, but there's something to that that I just feel came naturally last night in my game that really made me feel much more engaged with an army in a way that I haven't in 40k in a while. Like even when I tried out Tau, didn't get super engaged with it. Uh, I've played other, like other armies similarly in the past, like Orcs, uh, Dark Eldar briefly, Tyranids briefly, like all of these different armies trying to emulate this like natural playstyle that I have in a, like, that isn't the, I found the aggressive army. I need the other side, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. And I tried to gene see the cult, and I just didn't get it, because gene see the cult are just very, like, bouncy and weird. Um, I also played them at the beginning of 8th, so they didn't have a book, so, like, that's probably also part of the problem. But this felt very, like, good. Like, it felt natural and right. And I, it made me go, oh, man, I'm going to buy so many card models. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you're playing an objective-based game because I feel like the proud dad in the stands with my, like, cargo shorts, white New Balances, and socks up to my knees. Uh, like, backwards trucker hat, just shouting obscenities about how cool you are. Because, finally, you have learned the way of the objective. Uh, so damn proud. Baby's all grown up and off to destroy people. He's no longer an angry 16-year-old in his Slipknot show. <laughs> now he is a well-adjusted adult in his 20s with crippling depression listening to Slipknot on his Samsung Plus earbuds. Uh, excuse you, it's the Mountain Goats. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Um, it's a very different play style, isn't it? Like, There's a whole lot more thinking that you do before you even like roll off for turn one. I like I find when I'm playing because obviously I'm a very objective based player for those out there who maybe didn't listen to some of our previous episodes. Uh, like I will look at the whole board and kind of start considering movement speeds in my head between the enemy army and my army, and considering like which units I can move in which orders to bait out the enemy movements and charges, and kind of like how I could push and pull them to shape the board in the way I need to to sit on my objectives with the right units while also taking out their key threats. And all of that happens like before even turn one. Like, did you experience that? Yeah. 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 hundred percent. It's wild. Um, It's very weird. Uh, It's not the feeling I had when I played uh, AOS orcs. Very different than Iron Jaws. Yeah. And like, I had this very cool moment where like I was sitting there and I'm waiting for like my opponent to figure out exactly how many shots he's going to have. And I'm looking at this squad of guardsmen. I'm just looking at them sitting there holding that objective. And they have like these dynamic poses. And like I've painted them. And they've got these like um, like a shading on them. So they look dirty and grimy. And I just like played up the whole scene in my head. Of just lots of Necron warriors shooting at these squad of 10 guardsmen. As they're just desperately trying to not die. For like two minutes. And are just shooting back and killing like two Necron warriors. And go, ah, and like part of me just goes, oh man, 
That's so cool. <laughs> like, that's so tight. Those boys are dead. Get, <laughs> those boys are super dead. Um, but I, like, I sat there and was thinking about simultaneously the rules and the lore in a combined and telling myself a story while also getting fixated on the rules in a way that I often do separately. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I was doing it together in tandem and it was super rad. God, that's awesome. So, I think I found, I think I found not just the fixation, but maybe the thing I'm going to play a shit ton of. Ooh, well, and also, like, I, I have other 3D print files for Guard, so, like, we could just make this happen without breaking the bank. That's true. Um, it's a possibility. Well, we'll talk about that outside of the show. We'll figure this out. You know, you're damn right we will. But, I mean, if you're thinking about collecting Guard, I think that's about time to move into the topic. All right, John, the music has played. The great elder ones have allowed us to talk about the actual topic itself. I didn't know if you know this, but if you talk too soon, they rip all of your thoughts out of your eyes. So you're safe. You're welcome. Um, but when you say that you want to make a collection of guard, uh, what exactly do you mean by that? Because let's be honest, when we've talked about previous episodes about like building an army or... Um, Obviously, we use the term army, which is similar, but slightly different. So, like, could you try to explain to me exactly, like, what you mean? Yeah, so a collection is something that never truly ends. Um, you're always buying new shit for them. You don't have a points value you're stopping at. You don't have, like, a definitive end, really. You just kind of want to keep getting more of it because you think they're neat and you like them and you want to have a bunch of the options and you just kind of, you probably like building and painting them mm -hmm. just as much, if not a little bit more than playing them. Mm -hmm. uh, really dig the lore. Maybe you're digging deep into like creating like your own lore for it. Whereas building an army, it seems to be much more along the lines of, man, I'm going to go to this tournament and I want to play this. Or like, I want to play this army like just as this i don't want to have to have a ton of like options for it i just want to play with this or maybe it's an army that doesn't have a ton of options and you're like boom 2000 points play this i might re revisit it in a few years mm -hmm. um, play it for a while uh, for example for me is i enjoy cruel boys conceptually do not want to collect them right now like one there's not a lot of models mm -hmm. two there's just not a lot of like density there uh, even with the lore, like the lore is very good for what's there, but it's like a third of the book of an Oric Warclans book, so it's not like it's a huge thing of its own. But it's, there's more than enough for a 2,000 point army for me to build and paint and try out some cool techniques on and then put it on the table to play with my other boys, particularly how half our AOS group plays Orcs. <laughs> to, to play with my boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's something to be said for the orcish joy of just amassing in a group and beating the bejesus out of each other. Uh, yeah, and I think that eventually we will get to the point where you're going to play ogres, I'm going to play cruel boys, and uh, Tanner and Corwin are both going to play orcs, and we're all just going to show up at a table and just pummel each other to death, and then we're going to turn and look at Seth, who is playing the lizards, and go, 
Oh, it's the cold ones. <laughs> <laughs> Cracking open some cold ones with the boys. With the boys. Um, <laughs> it's very good. That's my bit. I'll take my leave. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no transitions for you, though. You just get to leave in silence. Yes, obviously. We have no musical transition for exiting the podcast early. Seth, get on that. <laughs> new assignment. But with guard right my new love but is also an old flame is <laughs> <laughs> this is the derp this is like the nerdiest romance movie i've ever heard hi i'm ryan seacrest and i love the imperial card <laughs> <laughs> all right um so like the so i guess quick question why are they the old flame and new Okay, Old Flame, they're the first models I ever built. They're the first models I ever played with. Guardsmen, like a base squad of Guardsmen, was the first thing that I ever put my little grubby hands on and built the plastic models together, put them on base, looked at it, went, I made that thing. Mm -hmm. It was the first like codex I cracked open and like looked through all of the, the pages and the art and read the stuff and went, that's neat. That's like, I'm like, like 12, right? Like I'm like 12 years old. And I'm like, man, I love the superhero guard shit. It's so rad. It reminds me of Starship Troopers. Oh, yeah, look, they're fighting Tyranids, like the bugs, just like in the Starship Troopers. But these ones are edgy. <laughs> it's not a movie. They got scars. Like, I was like, yeah, it's super cool. Kept reading it. Huge, like, became a huge fan. And that's kind of what started me on 40K in general. It wasn't Space Marines. It was Guardsmen. Mm-hmm. And it made me read the novels and kind of like get read the the horror that was being a person in a place full of supernatural evil and terrible beings. Just very good, right? Mm -hmm. I'd played a couple of games with the guardsmen when I was younger, not nothing major. Um, and then I re re came back to the game when I was like seventeen, eighteen. Started playing it again. And I didn't do the guardsman route because there was other people in my playgroup that were playing guardsmen. They like Necrons. So I kind of dropped them off. And then, you know, everyone's been in their early 20s. You're broke. You're very broke. No money to be the had. Of, <laughs> yeah, the concept of buying a tank every paycheck sounds terrifying. Yeah, man. I, I couldn't afford to have furniture. So, like, there was no way the plastic models were coming into play. Um, and guardsmen are an expensive army to buy in plastic. They just are. Yeah. yeah. So I get Not that. Not quite as much as like Gene Sealer Colt, but they're they're pretty expensive. Yeah, I, I get that. That makes sense. But as I said earlier, I, I have the resources now. Like I've got the space, the ability. I've got a lot of like avenues for getting this stuff now that I just didn't have 10 years ago mm -hmm. or like five years ago. Uh, 3D printing is a big one, right? Oh, yeah. It's a game changer. Sure. I don't have to be Cadian if I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, they've, I mean, you could print models for just about any Imperial Guard sub-faction that tickles your fancy. If you know where to go look, I mean, you can buy, uh, like, Patreons full of models for, like, 10 bucks. Yeah. And so it's just, it's a different world now that you can play different stuff in. And, like, I'm not going to take these guys to a tournament. I think that playing Guard at a tournament would be very difficult. Mm-hmm. Like, oh boy, that would be brain 
busting. A whole lot of decision points, that's for sure. Uh, but I think casually with my buds, great force. And I think they scale really well for casual, like more casual games or learner games, and also big, like we're gonna beat each other up with our brains games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Joe? Is there any is there any times you've gone, man? I want to collect this force, but I only want to build an army of this force. Huh. You know, that's kind of hard because I am not much of a collector just in general. Um, like, I think there's some, there's something deep down in like the, the brain meat that we all share that some people are just collectors by nature and will build out these huge collections of, you know, anything from Beanie Babies to guns to like, you know, cars, whatever. And I never really had that knack so I think it is harder for me to like want to build a collection, but I think the one force that has really pushed me to maybe consider it is the Sylphaneth, because I just love them. Like they're these big tree dudes trying to protect the actual mortal realms that everyone else is destroying in their battles to kill their enemies. Uh, and I think that's just an incredible flavor, and the models are all beautiful. Um, and while I I've talked about before, I have some frustrations with the mechanics of the army. It kind of doesn't matter. Because, I mean, let's be honest, books rotate out, eventually it'll change. But they're still so cool that in the meantime, I don't mind painting them up. And I would love to have, like, one of everything. And, I mean, I might already have one of their everything. Maybe? Oh, I'm going to have to look into that. <laughs> um, as compared to... Let's see, what force would I use? What force would I use? Custodies. That's a good example. It's on my brain because of the uh, the reveals yesterday. Um, the Custodies are an incredibly cool force. Very cool lore. Fully admitted. However, for me, the downside is a lot of their stuff is Forge World. Like, half the book is Forge World. And I'm not willing to buy Forge World products because I'm just not a fan. I think it's, you know, high price for subpar quality. Um, and with that being the case, it kind of fences in where I'm willing to go with the army, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like for a collection, you kind of have to go to, like, get all the options, even if it is Forge World. And I'm just, I don't want to do that. So instead of building out, like, 5,000, 10,000 points of custodies, I am perfectly happy with having my, like, 2,500 points that I will just, like pick and choose from to make different lists and I'm sure I will have a blast right up to that point with a just you know a little smattering of their models which granted they're a kind of small force so that's a it's a real easy place to get to because to get like two and a half thousand points you could essentially play with 15 models um but yeah it's a thing uh and I think you have to approach them differently also like yeah I think the like one of the something you've said to me before, particularly with like Sylvaneth, was that you get excited about basing them because you're like, man, I can make little like rivers and shit on these bases. Yeah, man, like, I was gonna fish scale a stream up one of the bases. Like, <laughs> yeah, like you're like, man, I can, I can make this shit look tight as fuck. Like, hello, biology degree, you're gonna help me with these plastic army men. Like, it was, <laughs> it was something else. Like, you were so stoked about it. And I was very happy for you. Like with custodies, I've never once heard you go, man. I can't wait to base the shit out of those custodies. Or like, man, I just want to paint some custodies. Just paint them. Just like, 
Yeah. Sylvaneth, you have actively been like, man, we'll paint the fuck out of these trees. <laughs> <laughs> what for? Are you playing a game? No, nah, man. It's like three months into COVID lockdown. Not playing games for the foreseeable future. Just want to paint like, trees. <laughs> like he was texting me, sending me pictures of this, like, of these Sylvaneth he'd be working on. He'd be like, yeah, man, I know I'm not playing games for at least another six months, but like, I looked at these trees and went, fuck, I like leaves. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could quit them, but I can't. <laughs> I can't. They are my, th- my ride or die. <laughs> and I think that's a good direction to go for like inspiration, right? Like to what, what, how to differentiate between the two of them based off of your inspiration or motivation. All right. Like I'm not going to collect a force that I'm not jazzed about three months in, right? Yeah. If I'm three months into like collecting, like starting an army. And I go, man, I'm still all about these dudes. Like, okay, maybe a collection's there. Um, but if I'm like, eh, I got a couple more things to buy and then I'm done. Then, man, I'm just trying to make an army. And particularly with hobby motivation, like if you sit down and paint those guys, if you're thinking about painting them all the time, and the thoughts go along the line of like, man, I got to get this done so that I can play these and people not see gray plastic this weekend. Maybe you just want an army to play. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're looking at it as, man, I can't wait to get home and paint these dudes. Hurry up, traffic. I'm trying to get home and put some enamel on these tanks. Like, is that what you were thinking in traffic, John? I don't want you to judge me, please. I <laughs> uh, really, like, I've, I found out that my package was there full of the AK interactive enamels. And I was just like, oh, man, it's it's time. I'm going to I'm going to put up a. A YouTube video of like some of that lo-fi music, and I'm just gonna sit here and I'm gonna paint these tanks, and we go, "Oh, you're so dirty, <laughs> you're just so so nasty, you got mud all over you. Oh, you nasty tank." <laughs> <laughs> Lovingly coming with a Q-tip to clean it off. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, I that's something that I didn't necessarily feel for some of the other factions, right? Like that I've picked up and played a little bit of. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, with Cruel Boys, I'm very excited to paint them, but it's about the techniques I want to I want to try on them. It's not about the actual army itself. Yeah, you're not you know? doing it to do it. You're doing it to achieve some objective, whether that be uh learning testing a new technique or getting ready for a tournament or playing a game. You will always have an objective when you're painting like quote unquote an army. Whereas I feel like the existence of a collection is purely there for the sake of enjoying the collection, um, which is slightly different. Um, which I also think is much more rare. Like It is harder to find something that you're willing to paint for no reason just because you want to. Like That's a rare thing, and I think that's probably a good thing, otherwise all of our wallets would shatter spontaneously. Can you imagine and, if every force you played, you had like five to 10,000 points of? Yeah, it would suck. Um, it'd be very hard. I'd play like one faction, honestly. Um, maybe two. I wouldn't even play multiple games. Um, no, like the, the other thing is I'm the kind of person, right, where I keep like a cork board where I like pin stuff too. So I'm looking at it all the time whenever I come into the room because mm-hmm. it helps me like motivate and visualize things, right? Like. I'm working on a new D&D game that I'm going to DM, so I've got stuff pinned. That I look off all the time, and it makes my brain start churning. It does the same thing with my hobby table, right? Like, I leave the stuff that I'm wanting to work on on the hobby table, so I have to see it every time I come into the room. And it helps me, like, keep on that hobby track. Mm-hmm. 
When I wake up in the morning and get ready for work, I have to come inside this hobby room to get some of my stuff for work. Because that's just how I have stuff stored. It helps me keep moving in the morning because if I stand in one spot, I'll fall asleep standing up. But I'll walk in the door to my hobby, my, my hobby room, my little office, and I'll turn on the light. And for everything I do, since I started this guard thing, is I'll turn and look over at those tanks and I go, Oh yeah, look at those tanks. And it sticks with me all day. Like, I will think about those tanks all day. Not Maybe not like the whole time, but like there'll be little bursts throughout the day where I'll be like, I'll think about those tanks and I'll go, Yeah, man, I painted those tanks. Those good looking tanks. I get very excited, right? John just sitting at work going, what if I found a bit for a fuel canister? Yeah, I should glue like a fuel can to the tanks. <gasps> My guys will have well, extra fuel. <laughs> well, like it also it like motivates me to start building terrain that fit this force, right? Like building little pieces of like maybe I build like some sandbags around like a gun emplacement, build like a trench, you know, maybe build like a field hospital. Maybe build like a small, like uh, an evacuation point that I can put like little civilians on that are like trying to get on onto like a Valkyrie mm-hmm. that are trying to get off planet and like have like a little diorama of dudes fighting, trying to protect these civilians that are trying to get off planet. Like, that's cool. That's stuff. And like, I didn't get there on my own. I got there from this army that I decided I start, I like and I want to collect. And I think it's neat and super cool. And I think that. That also helps help you decide on, do I want... This is a collection, right? Mm-hmm. Is, does it start motivating you in other things separate from like just painting those guys? Does it motivate you to build terrain pieces? Does it motivate you to maybe create a narrative? Does it motivate you to hit up your buddy and be like, hey, let's do a Path to Glory campaign with this force that I'm going to tell a tale with? Does it motivate you to want to run a tabletop RPG of something adjacent to this or give you new ideas in another game that you're running or building stuff for or playing a character in right mm-hmm. if then it maybe it's not just a man those models look cool and i really like those rules maybe it's like a thing that you're going to be really into for years yeah you might have at that point you got bit you got bit real good um and that's a wonderful thing and i think whenever possible we should try to lean into that um, if you have the resources to do so. And even if you don't, I mean, let's say you don't buy the 10,000, you know, points worth of stuff. If you are that bit by a force, then do all that other stuff. Like, you want to make a little terrain piece? Y'all, terrain can be made cheap. Do it. Feel free. It doesn't cost you much. Go ahead and do it. Go to the dollar store. Yeah, man. There you. Get some foam. Cut it up. Have a time. Um... You know, if you're really excited to like, oh, maybe you're a tabletop role play, like role player, and you're so excited about the story, man, I'd love to run a one shot of this. Well, then do it. Find some people. Make that happen. Um, there are ways you could do this even without spending money. But if you do have that extra resource, also, maybe if, you know, you're financially able to do it, get a couple of models, even if you don't plan on using them on the table maybe you know that they are mechanically kind of rough get them anyway if you think they're cool like like john mentioned a valkyrie i i have no idea if valkyries are good or bad but let's say valkyries are bad again disclaimer i do not know if they are bad but for the sake let's say let's say valkyries are bad they just they're not good there's no place in the forest for them on the tabletop right now 
And there's really no lists that run them. There's no synergies for them. And you wouldn't be caught dead bringing one in most games. But let's say you just love the Force and you love the idea of having Top Gun playing in the background as this Valkyrie makes its way across the table. And you really, really want to paint up a Valkyrie and you want to do like the little World War II, uh, like plane customizations with a shark head on the front. <laughs> Y'all go do Joe, it. Joe, you sell yourself on a Valkyrie right now? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the rules do. I just think planes are cool. They're like birds with engines, John. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord, that would surprise I'm me. To, I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to an air airplane museum, and I'm going to take a picture of every plane that's there, and I'm gonna send it to you. I'm gonna go, hey Joe, what bird is this? <laughs> uh, I recommend doing that. That sounds like a great day, John. That sounds like a lovely weekend. Okay, we should go we should go do that just just the two of us. We should go have a little date where we go look at planes. So I just like lean over to you and whisper in your hey, hey Joe, what bird is that? <laughs> yeah, there's actually there's an airport museum. Uh well there's a national aviation museum just a little north of us. So we could do that. We could make that a thing. Get some chicken tenders, go look at planes. Uh, excuse you, you, you engined know, birds. The, you know, the birds with engines. <laughs> I have three degrees in biology. I am very smart. <laughs> so yeah, John, you can say I'm sold on a Valkyrie. Um, God, I derailed so hard. But... It's great. It's staying in. Seth, don't take the out. <laughs> if you are really into that, like, and you just go out and buy a Valkyrie. Just go do it. Paint it. Have a time. You're going to have so much fun. You're going to paint that thing for like 20 hours, and you're going to have a blast the entire time, and you're going to love it. And if that's all it is, if it's just this thing that makes you smile every time you look at it, great. But even better... They're going to give you a new book at some point, and I bet you dollars to donuts that one day that Valkyrie is going to be good, and you are going to show up at your game shop or with your buds at your local gaming group. You're going to go to deploy your army, and you are going to scream the words danger zone as you pull this thing out of the carrying case and put it on the table for the first time, and it's going to be magical. So, I mean, yeah, you just got to follow that hype. <laughs> like, you, you just got to follow the hype, especially in a collection. Because, I mean, John kind of touched on this earlier, but I think the big difference between an army and a collection, and this is kind of the key takeaway, is that an army is something that you have an end goal for and are building towards, whereas a collection is purely driven by excitement and joy. That's it. Yeah. And I think the way you approach them is different, right? Like mm -hmm. when you go get an army, you probably are like, "Man, I just got my tax return," or like, "I just, <laughs> I just got like six hundred dollars." What am I gonna do? Uh, I have all my bills paid. I've been the responsible adult, and I really want this army that just came out. I'm gonna go buy the two star collecting boxes and all the extra bits to bring it to two thousand points, and I'm gonna try to build it and paint it in like two months. And I'm probably going to get halfway through painting it and go, oh, man, that was super cool. I'm going to play with it anyways. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yep. And then, whereas a collection is something that, it's a slower burn, right? It is a, man, I got the start collecting box or maybe a small, like, lot of models from eBay or my buddy. And I'm going to like, man, it's paycheck time. I'm go buy myself a tank. 
gonna order that tank off the internet. Have it show it to my house in two to four business days. Uh, or maybe I'm gonna walk in my local game store and I'm gonna pick up a Chimera off the shelf. I'm gonna buy it and take it home, build it lovingly, paint it like an old man paints, you know, World War II planes. And they go, Yep, that's done. I've done my weekly my weekly little hobby exercise. I'm gonna go watch movies until next week where I do my next hobby little exercise. Right? Mm-hmm. Those are two drastically different feelings, drastically different vibes. One is a much more like chaotic, crazed madman approach, which is my normal go-to in this hobby. <laughs> um, the, the the other one is a much more measured and calmer approach, and in a in a way relaxing approach of like, gonna get this thing, gonna not spend a shitload of money on it because like. <clears throat> This hobby gets much, much more affordable if you go, man, I uh, I have a budget that I spend every month on these models, and I go and I get those that small amount of models, and I build them and paint them, and that's it. I might read a, I might pick up like a, a little book in between. Yeah. And that's all. Like that, that's the end of my consumption. Like, yeah. Uh, um. Whereas the being on the army route, you do t- tend to get kind of shoved into that hype train, that hype cycle, and then when you invariably fall off of it, you don't have like something to hold on to in the meantime, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and so you end up losing interest in the game as a whole, or like maybe the hobby as a whole. God forbid. Please no, horrifying. But it could happen. Um. But I think the slow burn can be good, for sure. And I don't know. I'm interested. This is one where, like, we've talked about it a bunch, and I, I really want to know because I, I, I have no idea what this data point looks like. Uh, for people out there listening, if you are listening uh, on YouTube, put it in the comments, or if you're listening elsewhere, like, feel free to reach out to us on social media. Love to hear this. How many of you guys? have what you would call a collection army well a collection force like something that you just like we've talked about you love it to bits and you buy little bits of it at a time over and over just because you like painting it or building it or whatever how many of you guys have one of those and if so like how big is your lovingly made collection i'm i'm so curious um as someone who's not really like a collector normally, that that really interests me. Um, I'd love to know. Yeah, and I think that as someone who's played this game a lot longer than you have, Joe, um, that's not a dig, mm-hmm. to Joe, for everyone listening. That's just a that's fact. just a fact. Yeah, uh, having something that grounds me into the setting and grounds me into into wanting to collect and play and hobby in this game has always helped me stick with it. Uh, and not just hop off it for the next new exciting thing. And now I might like ebb and flow out of it where I go, man, I'm just not feeling like the 40K stuff this month. I'm just going to take a break. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Like, breaks are still perfectly fine. But I've always came back to it. And I think part of that is because like I've read so many of the books. like, And I have like such a base of knowledge of it because I was excited about it. And I didn't just collect the models. I collected little tidbits of information in my brain about it that I share with other people who really like this thing mm-hmm. and kind of use it as a way of like making friends and connecting with folks. 
I think that's neat. I think that's great. And uh, whether you do that for 40K, Age of Sigmar, Infinity, other sh- shit, like just anything not in this hobby, it's a great thing to kind of like think about. It's like, man, collections. Is it a thing that helps me stay even? Hmm. Neat. Yeah, and I'd love to know. And if y'all out there are listening, please hit us up. Um, just, I would love to take this and if, depending on the responses, might make a follow-up episode. Just might. With like people's personal experiences and uh, maybe talk about this a little more. Or if, you, if y'all think we missed an aspect, uh, as always, feel free to send it over. Again, more than willing to do a follow-up or to address it if, uh, if it's something we go, oh man, like we really did miss that. Uh, we'll happily make another episode. Uh, if you're a fan of the podcast and you enjoyed this episode, or maybe you also love in- birds with engines, uh, give the podcast a review um, or share it with some friends. It really helps a smaller podcast grow because um, we would love to amass a collection of listeners. You see what I did there, John? Do you, do you see what I did there? I, I do. I do. Uh... That was a pun. Ha ha. Damn right. Professional podcasters. Um, but before, Joe, you sign us out, there's something I would like to ask of the listeners. Oh, uh, yeah. This is a big one. Uh, our one-year anniversary for the show is coming up at the end of November. So if you would like to leave us any questions for us to answer on the episode in which we talk about our experiences in the one year of doing this thing, We'll gladly answer them. Yeah. And on top of that, if there's anything that you would like to see with this show going forward, let us know. Uh, we're thinking about making some changes. We're thinking about doing some different stuff. And so if you can drop what you think in like an email like an email or a DM or like in a comment, we'll talk about it amongst the team and see what we can do in the future. Uh, maybe it'll include it, maybe it won't, but we would love some feedback from all of you, especially some of you that have been listening for a long time. Uh, we, we really want to see where we can take this in the next year and maybe take it to uh, another level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, but, uh, <clears throat> back to you, Joe. But yeah, I mean, we would love your feedback, especially in like at the one year, it is a time that we could really stop and make adjustments. Um, and we're really like, obviously we're always open to making adjustments, but like, Especially at this time, we're trying to expand what the podcast could be, or maybe even more than a podcast. Um, But as as always, we want to do it with y'all in mind. So having your thoughts, we we would appreciate it pretty much more than any time we have asked for it from four. We'd love to hear it. By all means, be honest, even if it's maybe a little painful, we got you. And as always, that's been all of our opinions. Bonafide and Kentucky Fried. We'll see y'all on the next episode.